0: We've all felt a tremendous sense of loss. And, uh, you know, I immediately, this is the flipping dilemma why I wanted to study David in the first place. How could somebody with a life like his do so many things and write something like Psalm 130? In my depths to you, O Lord. Read the Psalms. Do, you, do any of you, when you're upset, out of read the Psalms? The guy that that did all this junk wrote that. That's amazing. Uh, Fletcher and I were in a class, our heretic, our Wednesday night heretic class, um, that's been meeting <laughs> since, since the old building for for years. And what we do is we read books and we talk and. It's a safe place because there are a lot of heretics in this church, <laughs> and they say things that should not be repeated, um, and uh, that's a safe place for that. But we're, we're, we're talking about something, One night, do any of you remember Dr. David Martin? Mm-hmm. Okay, David Martin and his wife, Eileen, were long-time members of our Creek. He used to preach at the old building. And... Um, he was a professor at Lipscomb. He was a psychologist. He was a professor at TSU. And just, just a brilliant man. He looked craggy. His hair was all... Anyway. Uh, but but um, we're, in, we're down there one night, and this is probably 10, 12 years ago, and Fletcher doesn't really remember this, but I, I heard it one time. And it made more sense to me. It gave me more clarity on David and Solomon than anything I've ever heard in my life. King Solomon and King David led merry, merry lives with many, many womenfolk and many, many wives. And when old age had crept upon them with its many, many qualms, King Solomon wrote the Proverbs, and King David wrote the Psalms. That's the enigma of this class. I want to understand that. I want to figure out how that is possible that David, who led... led we're going to look at the Mount of Olives here in a minute. But David, who um, led such... Uh, you know, he tried. He tried. God says he had a heart like God. But he did so many things that you and I, when I, I know David has, has talked, uh, asked questions about the morality is, how do you teach this to your teenagers? Not a clue. Not a clue. But I'll guarantee you one thing, your teenagers need to know it. They need to know it. In Jewish circles, rabbinically, uh, Jewish young men prior to bar mitzvah study, the pro- memorize most of the Proverbs thank you <laughs> you were to sit behind me that's really <laughs> they memorize most of the Proverbs and our sons and daughters don't get that they need that because there's wisdom in the Proverbs you can glean from the- guard your heart guard your heart how many times it says that? It's these. Are, it's an amazing thing. I don't really understand it. So in 1979, that tells you how old I am. I was in graduate school at Abilene, and I remember the most impressive Sunday morning I've ever been a part of at Highland Church. Lynn Anderson was... Uh, my mentor, and I just, I loved to be in I loved, and so I would get there early, and this morning, there was a a guy, you know, they just kinda, I don't know, people just kinda got up, well, this big guy, I I can't, I'm trying to think who I could compare him. He was a giant of a man. His name was Dr. Wendell Broom. Dr. Wendell Broome in full beard with his glasses, and he walked up to the podium, and he read, Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he gets old, he, he will not depart thereof. And Dr. Broom took his glasses off, and he stood right beside the podium, and he said, If King Solomon, in all of his regal finery," were standing right here beside me today, I would deck him. I would hit him square in the nose. For someone who had 300 wives and 700 concubines and probably never even knew the names of all of his children, for him to lay that on me for eternity, I will never forgive him for that. And I thought, this is the kind of church I want to be a part of. <laughs> you know, many of us think, you know, when Jacob wrestled with that angel that night, they changed his name to Israel. And what does Israel mean? Wrestled with God. One who wrestles with God. And so the whole Jewish identity is wrapped up in Wrestling with God, I never will forget, I've I maintained a, a well, they, they were both doctors, uh, a couple of doctors' houses, and they had these sons that were literally my son's ages, and I got to know their, their sons. When their youngest child was bar mitzvahed, you know what they have to do? to, to They have to pick out a passage, and they have to argue. They have to write it out and argue it before the rabbi, and and then the rabbi, they discuss it. This little kid, uh, Daniel Rubin, Rubin was their last name. Daniel Rubin um, argued that shellfish and shrimp are okay to eat. And why in Leviticus that would be unkosher? That's just not right. And he, he was proving how pure that meat is, how pure shrimp and scallops are, even though that, why is that not kosher? Fins and scales, that not have scales or fins. Bottom feeders. Yeah. Catfish is not kosher either. They're bottom feeders. Now, I don't understand that. But for a 13-year-old kid, to argue, to be able to eat shrimp, he, he notice he didn't didn't try for bacon. He's saving that for later. <laughs> but he he tried to justify shrimp and scallops. I thought this is awesome. This is what church ought to be about: question everything and search for the answers. I think I think I was gifted with a tremendous intellectual curiosity. I, I, I love knowing why things are the way they are. So today, this it, this is just going to be a hodgepodge, but it's truly, Jeff covered Absalom, uh, covered all of that. 15, chapters 15 through 20 last week. I want to hit a few highlights and just share some things that some of my thoughts on that whole deal, because that's a fascinating deal. <clears throat> let's let's, do it, let's kind of go through it. So back back to the map, and I know y'all get sick of this, but uh, back to the map. Here's Jerusalem. This is where we are. Manaheim is where David is going to escape to, and so and so Absalom is stirring up trouble. He's been up here in um, where's he been? He's been up here in Gesher with his grandfather for three years. Joab convinces uh, Joab, David's army general, convinces David. You need to invite Absalom back. Uh, let, let's go let's on. The darkest days in David's life. The valley of the shadow of death. Where did that phrase come from? Psalm 23. Okay, but it came from David's mind. The valley of the shadow of death. Think about how that's encrusted in our life. He came up with it. So David sins by by committing adultery with uh, Bathsheba. He has Uriah the Hittite, her husband, uh, killed in battle with the help of Joab. Nathan the prophet calls David on his sins. David repents. God says, sins are removed. Your sins are removed, David but not the consequences. His son, Bathsheba dies. His daughter, Tamar, is raped by her half-brother, Amnon. Amnon is murdered by his half-brother, Absalom. Absalom escapes to his grandfather, in Gesher. Joab coaxes coaxes, coaxes. Coaxes (laughs) David. That that could be coaxes. (laughs) Coaxes David to allow Absalom to return. Absalom undermines the reign of his father. There's a revolution. David and his family and his supporters flee to the wilderness. God spares David and his army and defeats the rebel forces. Absalom is killed by Joab, despite David's specific orders not to harm him. And then David comes back to Jerusalem. That's today. That's, that's a lot. That's a lot. Um, so uh, let, let's look at chapter 15 with me just just for a second <clears throat> um, So Absalom is is getting the people uh, to like him um, I want you to look at uh, I love I love the liturgical calendar. look at verse 13 And I love the fact that today is Palm Sunday where Jesus enters into Jerusalem. Coming down the Mount of Olives on a donkey, as prophesied by Zechariah, he does all the things to fulfill the prophecies that are laid out. David to him. A messenger came and told David, "The hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom." And David said to his officials who were in Jerusalem, "Come, we got to get out of here. None of us will escape from Absalom. We must leave immediately, or we will move." move or he will move quickly and overtake us, and ruin will be upon us and put the city to sword. And the king's officials answered him, Your servants are ready to do whatever the Lord chooses. (laughs) The king set out, his entire household followed him, and he left his ten concubines to take care of the palace. Um, Look at 18. All of his men marched past him. So David's standing out there, and all men are in a troop, and they're marching out of the city of David, headed out across the Kidron Valley. We'll look at that in just a second. And David is inspecting, And all of a sudden, the Karites, the Pelethites, and 600 Gittites. Does anybody know what a Gittite is? It says right there beyond it, Gittites were from Gath. Who was born in Gath? Goliath. Goliath, Goliath of Gath. So these guys are Philistines. Now why are Philistines? 600 Philistines living in the city of David. Because once David stewed everybody around him, he said, this is a kingdom. Come come in, you're free. You, You want to come here? I'll guarantee you these Gittites believe in Yahweh. Not Molech. They've changed their religions. And they've come. <clears throat> they accompanied him from Gath and marched before the king. And the king said to Ittai the Gittite, why would, you, why would you come along with us? Go back and stay with King Absalom. You're a foreigner, an exile in your homeland. You only <laughs> got here yesterday. And today, shall I make you wander about not knowing where I'm going? Go back. Take, take your countrymen. May kindness and faithfulness be with you. But Ittai replied to the king, "As surely as the Lord lives, as my own Lord King, Lord King lives wherever the Lord King may be, wherever it means life or death, that's where your servant will be." And David said to Ittai, "Go ahead, march on." So Ittai the Gittite marched on with all his family, his friends that were with him, and the whole countryside wept aloud all the people who passed by, and the king crossed the Kidron Valley, and the people moved toward the desert. Um, this is the Kidron Valley. As you look at, at from the Mount of Olives, we're on the Mount of Olives, standing looking down the Kidron Valley. I need to go. Okay, you see this one right here? This is the, what's left of the southern temple wall. Okay, right down below that is where the uh, Palace of David would be, City of David. City of David and and the Temple Mount are two different things. But you, you, I, I should have shown you that picture, but the City of David is down below, and then the top of the mountain is, is up above. And here, here's what I want you to look at this right here. You see that, right? That deal? That's looking to the southwest. The mountains surround Jerusalem. The Lord surrounds it. There are no mountains that surround Jerusalem. I want to send the guy that wrote that song to Jerusalem just so he can see. There are That is a hill. That is a hill. That is not a mountain. Go to Estes, Estes Springs, Colorado. You'll see mountains that surround you. This is a hill. As a matter of fact, what's interesting about this hill is that you remember when shlomo starts marrying all these women from all over the world and they've got all these weird gods and all that kind of stuff shlomo builds all the all of his women temples up there so from antiquity on that has been known as the hill of evil counsel so in the 1960s, when the United Nations came to Israel and said, we would like for you to provide us with some property so that we can build a complex, that's the United Nations complex, on the Hill of Evil Council. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's just great. Um, and we'll come back, we'll come back to this thing in a minute. But just this is the Kidron Valley. You know, one of the things that when people go to Israel, they want more than more than anything, is to be able to look at a scene like this and say, what happened there? You know, I, I've written on the board. I'm not going to do it again, but a, a good way to do this is Abraham, 2,000 B.C., David, 1,000 B.C., Jesus ought. Jesus zero. That's a good way to keep it, and you can build on that knowing what dates you're in. 2000 BC, Abraham, when he re- when he rescued Lot, and he, he defeated the five kings, and he came to Salem, Salem, and he was in the Kidron Valley. That's also if it keeps on going up here, it's called the Valley of the Kings. It's where Abraham was, and Melchizedek comes. And Abraham offers him tribute. Many people think that's a theophany of Jesus. Uh, that's 2000 BC. Um, you see this, all these people that are buried there. As a matter of fact, what's the guy, Edelson? The Edelson guy that was in Las Vegas and owns all the. He's the big Republican. He contributes all the money to He died. He's buried there. No telling how much money wealthy that you got to be either long dead and buried there and got lucky to get there right now. It's help. Uh, when we were there, uh, our guide said the only Gentile boy buried there is Schindler. Yeah, Oscar Schindler, but he's buried he's over here. here. Yeah. And, and his gra- grave's prominent. But uh, Sh- Sheldon. Edelson. Okay, he was just buried there. No telling what you think. Why did they do that? Last days. I'm sorry? Last days. Okay. So in in Zechariah's prophecy, Messiah will enter Jerusalem from the east. How do we know this is east? That's the beautiful gate. Beautiful gate. And he'll enter from the east, and he'll go right through that gate into the temple. Okay. Uh, so, so you want to read, read? Go to the Temple Institute this afternoon, and tell me if you can finish that in a day. There's there are plans, and there are uh, materials, and they're going to build the temple back in three days if that ever gets destroyed. They, they've got it. Temple Institute, look it up. But uh, when Shulamon the Magnificent captured Jerusalem, he sealed those gates <clears throat> up. You see that? They're rocked up. He said, let him get through there. What, what Shuleiman didn't know is that Jesus went through there on triumphal entry 2,000 years ago. It's done. Already accomplished. Okay. Okay. Um, so this is a great picture of let me uh, let me go back. You see this, see that building right there? Well, the Church of the Nations is right here. Now I'm gonna go back. This is the Church of the Nations. Okay? How do I know it's the church of the nations? Because that little patch of trees right there is Geshimon Garden. That's the Garden of Descent. If you go up that deal, that's where the road is. That's where the road is. When you get to the peak there, you're at Nob. That's where people used to work. What, what's the significance of Nob? That's where Saul killed all the priests of Nob. The priests were on Nob, and he killed them all. Okay, um, I just find it interesting. Just, just keep reading with me, if you will. <coughs> I'm at verse 24. Zadok was there too. Zadok was the priest. And the Levites were there with him carrying the Ark of the Covenant of God. They sat down the Ark of the Covenant of God and Abathar the priest offered sacrifices to so the people left left the city officially. And the king said to Zadok, take the Ark of the Covenant back to the city. If I find favor in the Lord's eyes, he'll bring me back and let, it, let me see it and his dwelling place again. But he says, if I'm if I'm not pleased with you, then I'm ready. Let him do whatever seems good to him. Then the king said to Zadok the priest, Aren't you a, a prophet? Go back to the city of peace with your son Amaz and Jonathan and the son of Abathar, and you and a hip Abathar take your two sons with you. I will wait at the fords in the desert until word comes from you to inform me. So Zadok and Abathar took the ark of the covenant back, in Jerusalem and stayed there. They were spies. They wanted to see what Absalom was doing, and they were going to send messengers to David. But David continued up the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went. His head covered, and he was barefoot. And the people with him covered their heads, and they were weeping too. This is where David prays. Oturn turn Ahithophel's counsel into foolishness. There are two guys that were close to David and his confidants. I just, let me say this before I leave this picture this thing is interesting that today 2023 years ago Jesus went down and followed, retraced these steps that David just traced. The house will never fall from David. Jesus is the house of David. Took fourteen generations from David, who is a man of war, who cannot, is not fit to build the new temple, to the Prince of Peace. That's amazing. That's just a, that's what you're, you know. You ever read the New Testament? I mean, the Old Testament. What, what do you get out of the Old Testament? You get the New Testament. You need to see Jesus in everything that that's being accomplished. Okay, so we have. Um, I, I just I don't know how in the world did I skip a bunch? Go back play. Um, slave of slight I know. I mean, it hit the belt. I don't know where I, where I am. I, I must I, I must have fast forward. Here we go. Ahithophel. So Ahithophel was David's ultimate counselor. Uh, look at uh, um, look at verse twenty three right here. The advice of Ahithophel, which he gave in those days, was as if one had inquired of the word of God. Ahithophel gave great counsel. To David. Uh, look at 15, Samuel 15. So now David had been told Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David prayed, Lord, turn Ahithophel's counsel into foolishness. And if you go down to uh, 17, for the Lord had determined to frustrate the good advice of Ahithophel in order to bring disaster upon Absalom. Then Absalom said to Ahithophel, Give me your advice. What shall I do? Ahithophel said to Absalom, Go to your father's concubines, whom you left to the house, and then all Israel will hear that you make yourself odious to your father. The hands of all who are with you will be strengthened. So they pitched a tent for Absalom on the roof, and Absalom went to his father's concubines in the side of Israel. The advice of Ahithophel, which he gave in those days, was as if one acquired from God. So was the advice of Ahithophel regarded by David and Absalom. Furthermore, Absalom, Ahithophel said to Absalom, please let me get 12,000 men and arise and pursue David and I. will come upon you while he's weary and exhausted and terrify him so that all the people around him will flee. Then I will strike down the king alone and bring back all the people to you. The return of everyone who depends on the man you seek, then all the people will be at peace. And so the plan, divide, uh, plan pleased Absalom and all the elders of Israel. Why would that plan please Absalom? Does that sound like a good plan to you? Well, if I was Absalom, that sounds pretty daggum good. So I stay at home, and I have sex with all ten concubines of David, while Absalom takes—I mean, Ahithophel takes twelve thousand men and goes and attacks David. I accomplish everything I want. That sounds like a great plan. The other counselor was Hushai. And Hushai was not only a counselor, he was David's friend. And Hushai's plan is a little its a little twisted. And I'll tell you why. Because Hushai's been with David all along he knows that David is a warrior he loves nothing better than hiding in caves and attacking guerrilla style warfare now who shall I call the archite? let us hear what you have to say and who shall come to Absalom and Absalom said, Hithophel has spoken to us shall we carry out his plan? if not, you speak and who shall say to Absalom the time and advice that Hathophel gave as given is not good Moreover, Hushai said, You know your father and his men, that the mighty men are fierce, like a bear robbed of her cubs in the field, and your father is expert in warfare and will not spend the night with his people. Behold, he has now hid himself in one of the caves in one place or another. He falls on them at the first attack, and that whoever, that whoever hears it will say, There has been a slaughter among the people who follow Abs.'" And even one who is valiant, whose heart is like that of a lion, will completely lose heart. For all of Israel knows that your father is a mighty man, and with him are valiant. But I counsel all of Israel should be gathered to you from Dan to Beersheba, the sand by the sea that's in abundance, and you personally go into battle. So we shall come down to one of the places where you can be found, who will follow him in as dew falls on the ground, and all the men who are with him, even not even one will be left. If he withdraws to the city, all Israel shall bring ropes to the city, and will drag into the valley. Not even a small stone will be found there. I don't really understand it. Do I don't understand the ropes? Yeah. Then Absalom and all the men of Israel, the council of Hushai, the archite, is better than the council of Ahithophel, for the Lord has ordained to thwart the good counsel of Ahithophel so that the Lord might bring calamity on Absalom. That just reminded me that, uh, I'm in a, uh, Jeff's in, in, in a book club, we're in a book club and we just met this week again. Uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, Hans Borishma. He's my second favorite Danish theologian. The only other Danish theologian I know is a song so. Anyway, but, uh, He wrote in this chapter this week, and I thought about all of you guys uh, when he wrote that. Because in this class, I see faces who have been here for six months. We've been doing this for six months. And you come every Sunday. Why? Because Jeff and I are great teachers. (laughs) No, you come because you're hungry for a word from God. The thing that Barisma said this week probably the only thing I agreed with him in the whole book. Um, you didn't tell. You know, I didn't really enjoy the book. Um, he said that without church, there is no scripture. What he's saying is, you want to know how scripture was intended to be read? It was intended to be read and talked about and studied about among people and if you're sitting in a cloister privacy of your own cloister and you're reading you'll never get as rich as being here and reading that's what my biggest fear for the next generation is. i want them to have a hunger to read this and i don't know how to instill that um, I'm thinking about thinking about this uh, this deal Who, whose counsel do you choose how do you know which counsel uh, is best I mean I kind of like Ahithophel, what an Ahithophel said but Hushai says no you got to get all the visual together his, his advice is more glorious it is, it is. Yes. It is. Yes. He, out in front mm-hmm. but do you see this his advice is also going to get Absalom killed, and I think that was the plan. Boucha knows you get out there in the woods. but Where's that verse that Sip talks about? Yeah, David's getting ready to escape the manhunt. Uh, I don't want to read all that, but uh, um, anyway, I, I'll just tell you what it says. Is that, uh, so he's getting ready to escape to uh, Mannheim, uh, but David didn't want to escape. David says, no, I'm going to lead this battle. I'm going to. We're going to go get them, and I'm in charge. And David's men says, does anybody see where it says, you're worth 10,000 men? It's in scripture, too. You can look in the Bibles and see the same thing. You're worth 10,000 men. Uh, here it is, 18. Look at chapter 18, verse 3. But the man said, you must not go out. If we're forced to flee, um, they won't care about us. If even half of us die, they won't care. But you are worth 10,000 of us. It was May the 6th. I've already talked to Larry about this. who was a Civil War brother. May 6, 1864, General Robert E. Lee is in Orange County, Virginia. The battle, you can look it up, the battle is called the Battle of the Wilderness. Why would it be called that? I'm sorry? Battle of the, battle of the Wilderness. It's in the woods. It's in the flipping woods. David is... I can't show it. It's not a map. It's not a map. Okay. David is in the forest of Ephraim. The scripture says, and I won't be able to find it, no, 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 I will find it, the battle spread over the whole countryside, and the forest claimed more lives than the enemy. You died from just being out there. It's pretty much the same thing that, that General Roderick e. Lee is confronted with, and General Lee says, we're going to take this, I'm going to lead this battle, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, a chant arose from the ranks. By the way, 29,000 people died in that battle. 13,000 from the uh, Confederates, 16,000 from the Union side. This was going to be a battle. And all of the men of the Confederate side started chanting, Lee! to the rear, lead to the rear. No, sir, we're not going to let you die on our watch. You go back there. You're more important than any of us. Or all of us. Yeah, or all of us. That's just interesting. Interesting the way history repeats. Um, <clears throat> Does anyone know what time it is? Are we done? Oh, <laughs> don't ever, don't ever threaten me. You'll be here until dark. Uh, but let me, let me show you one other thing. You see, see that deal right there, Larry? What does that do? I don't know. That's uh, Dave. Anybody's been there Israel, What does that do? Absolutely. tomb. Two. Absoloms. Now if you go to Israel today uh, you will uh, all the guides will say nobody can prove that. Because this edifice is crusader. It's crusader. Notice what scripture says. During his lifetime Absalom had taken a pillar and erected it in the King's Valley as a monument to himself. In Hebrew, they call that a Masabot. Moses did it. Joshua did it. Um, Samuel did it. Here I raise my Ebenezer. Absalom did it. So my retort after reading many, many archaeological books on this, is why would the Crusaders have built that? Nobody's, you can't dig, you can't do anything. See, archaeology is defined today by what's on top, layer on top of layer on top. I'll just tell you, wouldn't shock me in the least if they tore that down and there's a big rock standing on its side of my symbolic. It's just interesting that on the way out of Jerusalem that David passed right by in the Kidron Valley. Chapter 20, well, all all this I'm not going to do anything else, but chapter 20 is where David comes back and you know, he he waits. He waits for an invitation to come back, and he literally has to talk him into letting him come back and be the king through his final days. Anybody else? Anything? So Joab talked him into coming back, and then he killed him, which is very ironic. Mean guy. Joab was a serial killer. Yeah. There's no, no other way around Every time you read Joab. You need to read serial killer. Well, what was it? Joab? Is it Joab, the guy that gutted the guy on the road? Yeah. Stuck a sword in and gutted. Where in, it literally says his intestines fell out on the road, and he didn't die. He's just there with his intestines <laughs> falling out. And all the all the Israelite army is passing by, and somebody finally said, "Get this guy off the road. This is really." And so they took him in a field and covered him up with a tarp. This is brutal. This is brutal. Yes. Uh, one other thing that I think of with Absalom making the decision is it comes across to me as pretty vain. And somebody else. You're kidding. What how would you get that? <laughs> somebody else doing his business uh, you know, lessens him, you know, the, the prestige like Larry was Right. Right. No, he wanted the glory. He wanted the glory. That appealed that appealed to Absalom. I just think the council of those two guys, that's a fascinating study in and of itself. Thank you guys. See you next week. Oh no, we won't. See you next week. Two weeks.